Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Calm Mind Podcast. I'm your host, Ron, and joining me on this journey is my fellow Pokemon YouTuber and co-host, Toby. How's it going, Toby? Hey, Ron, it's all going well. I'm having a lovely day, um, and I'm excited. I got a lot to share with you this week. Uh, <laughs> wh- how are things on your end? Good, good. Like, once again, we barely got to talk during the week, so this is us literally catching up once again. Um, I am very interested in asking you a bunch of questions based on what you tweeted <laughs> like a few days ago. Uh, yeah, um, a very lively tw- week on Twitter this week. <laughs> it went very personal. So, I mean, you basically tweeted that you what, re-identify as autistic. I don't know how that works. Yeah, no, I mean, this is kind of a weird one. Um, when I was a... When I was a kid um, and in school, I had a lot of learning difficulties and uh, I, had, I got a, what's called a statement of educational needs, which my mum fought tooth and nail for to, for me to be assessed. Mm-hmm. We had people come to the school and kind of look at me interacting with other kids and interacting with the teachers and like how I wrote and all of that stuff. Proper like X-Men study type stuff, except I didn't have cool superpowers. Um, I was just on the autistic spectrum. Uh, <laughs> and at the time... In 2000 and, I don't know, 2006, 2007, whenever I was 13, I don't know. Um, whenever I was in school, they were, they uh, they put me on uh, Asperger's, they called it, yeah. which is a term that over the years has fallen out of use, as has really? high-functioning. Is I've also learned is like high-functioning, lower-functioning. is like it's a really unpopular thing within the autistic community because some people, for example, can be high-functioning at some part of the day, but maybe at the other part of the day they're really struggling to function and still have those those needs um my main thing was just that i found socializing really difficult i found emotional cues quite difficult and i found really yeah which this is part of the when you say re-identify is kind of an interesting thing because i've definitely not identified with my autism much across my adult life because around about age 16 i felt that i started to cue into those things quite well well is was that l- like you just learning or was that natural to you i i honestly don't know i think it was natural mm. i think it was natural but i definitely have felt i i, I felt this kind of high functioning label that they gave me and that i feel that i've been a productive member of society and i'm also you know i'm self-employed doing the youtube thing much like yourself and we're we're i've i've got a lot of control over my own life and so to label even though i've been medically labeled to kind of think of myself as autistic has always kind of been an odd thing because i feel like it's not had a huge negative impact on my life and actually if it's had any kind of impact it's only been positive so that's kind of the odd thing i've uh, i've had a I guess, um, fraught relationship with the word autism. I don't know where I sit within that. I know that I am that, for sure. There's so many characteristics I can identify that I'm like, yep, that is very clearly as a result of that. Like what? Because I, obviously, I don't know what you feel. I am, like, not not routine oriented in the way that I think media would depict autistic people (laughs) and that, like, if you break my routine, that's it. But, like, I live and die by my to-do list and I, I can rearrange my to-do list, but once it's on the to-do list, you know, it's, it, it's how I function day to day. And that's just one of many. I'm also, I'm an odd, I'm, I'm an odd, <laughs> I'm an odd. <laughs> well, here's how I think this conversation is going to go, where I'm going to be asking a lot of questions because uh-huh. you, your, how you identify as autistic is not based on whatever stereotypes or mm-hmm. knowledge that I have of the, of autism. Cause like, for example, you say you, you live by your schedule or whatever, but like, mm-hmm. I, I know people who are definitely not autistic sure. and are 
for example, my brother who has OCD, and it's like that's even he probably is worse than you in that aspect. For example, yeah, yeah, doesn't mean he has autism or me too. Like so, a, a lot of people with anxiety disorders in general would have that as well. So can, it's like, can I start off with a question for you, which is, what do you know about autism, and what does that kind of word in turn mean to you? So originally, it was more the the social cues was the big thing, but then mm-hmm. as I learned more, it seems like the common thing is actually like sensory, <laughs> like. Sure. No, no matter how high, you know, how functioning you are with uh, with your autism, the you still have like sensory differences than the the, the normal non neurodivergent person has. But again, even neurodivergent means a billion things. You can we're going to talk about the term neurodivergent because I honestly it seems like everybody's <laughs> neurodivergent now, <laughs> like including yeah. me, based on at least the term. Because when when you Google it and you see like charts of anybody who falls under neurodivergent, you'll be like people with anxiety disorders or like. But I see it as people with like autism, but then also like ADHD, things that like either you're born with or like things that like actually limit your function, I guess, in so, normal society. Yeah. I, so I'm like really, um, I, I'm really open to learning on all this Me because too. of my distance relationship with the labels. But I really like the term neurodivergent. However, it, just it, on a like very straightforward sense, Everyone is neurodivergent exactly. it doesn't everyone's brain is diverging from each other. Everyone it, thinks differently. <laughs> I mean, there's always a norm. There's an average. It's like a very neutral sure. term, which is good. Like, it just describes yes. the thing. But, like, I don't know why you would choose to use neurodivergent. I may be wrong, but, like, wouldn't you just want to use the actual term of whatever disorder or thing that you have instead of just neurodivergent? Unless you're trying to neutralize, yeah. the, make it not sound too bad or... I, but I think, so, for... You, you mentioned the sensory thing, for example. Now, that is, when I was younger, I definitely, if things were too loud, it would really bother, it, it would bother me greatly. I don't have that anymore. Um, and Can you I don't, grow out of autism? Is that like- I, the, the, the honest answer is, I don't know. I don't know. Can you grow out of this trait or into this trait? If anyone's listening to this, by the way, and you're able to communicate with us either on the YouTube comments or on our socials, I am so open to learning on this subject because I know it is, I... I I feel that it is a part of me. I feel that I think in a way and behave in a way that is different to most of the people that I know. I do find commonalities with a lot of other people. Um, and interestingly enough, usually the people I find commonalities with are people who say, hey, I think I might be autistic or I've been diagnosed with autism. So I know there's something there. And medically, I've been diagnosed as a kid. There is something there. So I'm... But I find myself at age 27, having not really thought about it much over the last decade, trying to not, I don't want to box myself or label, like pigeonhole myself or anything like that, but trying to really understand what that means uh, for me going forward, if anything at all. Um, but it's it's just got me curious because it's Autism Awareness Month as we're yeah. recording this. And the day that I was tweeting out was Autism Awareness Day. And there's just these little things that i do behaviors whether it's the like the list for example or whether it's um sometimes when being met with a problem like an emotional problem like maybe a friend's got relationship advice or whatever i approach it in this almost sort of seemingly emotionless robotic way like well if you want result x you do y whatever and it feels to fall in that same umbrella but you're also but on the other hand you're also very you're even more social than the average person and understand social cues. I feel like even more than me, like at least based on our conversations and how I've seen you interact with our friends. It's like, you know how to, again, it may be learnt or something, but like you just know how to 
respond to people. It could be. I found, um, but it, it could have come from, because this development happened for me really between the ages of 14 and 18. Yeah. And at that time, I was very involved with drama at school. And that the whole <laughs> thing with drama is being empathetic and, and yeah, you're way learning emotion right? is like at the core of that. So maybe that's where I've managed to find it. I, I, I do remember all sorts of scenarios with my mum where we'd be out and about and I'd say something or do something inappropriate or inconsiderate and mum would sort of go don't you say please you say thank you here no you can't say that you're in public like these things and so there was definitely a little bit of parental training on that that I remember but um again these questions that I'm going to have it's not like me like invalidating whatever experience you have or anything it's literally just I'm trying to find like the common denominator with autistic people I'm trying to like what is the thing that makes you autistic because everything you've told me or will tell me it kind of seems like things that just any average person could have including me like and to 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 an extreme or to a lesser extreme it's like what would you say is the thing that you think i don't have because it seems like everything you're saying i can't have i maybe you're autistic i don't know (laughs) we shouldn't be like going around be like oh if you have you're autistic it really does seem at least the from when i'm talking to actual autistic people Mm. i guess including you is the sensory things like it's or or the but again, like for example, my sister, she can't whatever she cannot process loud noises, including well, this, my mother, I guess, too. But like the, they're not autistic. So this is like, interesting. I mean, I might even be the wrong person to ask about this, just in that even though I know I believe based on the fact that I was medically diagnosed when I was yeah. a kid that I am autistic. However, like I say, one of the reasons I've had such a distanced relationship from the term over the last decade is one, I've I've had one is that I've had a very successful start to my life which i'm very incredibly grateful for that i've Mm. worked for and that the because it's addressed as a disorder or disability and i haven't felt particularly hindered by it i felt that distance from the term and then also because the terms that i were diagnosed with asperger's um and high functioning are terms that have fallen out of fashion in the last decade um i'm now like okay so where do i where do i sit on that i like i wonder if i was went to get assessed you know today would i still be diagnosed i just don't know know, you know because for example like a disorder is a thing that actually negatively affects your life it won't be a disorder unless it affects your Mm day-to-day life in almost in a negative way so although autism is it a disorder what is it I think it's a disorder, but again, I'm not sure. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I definitely don't want to come no, on as the paragon champion. It's actually champion fun of, to talk to you about it yeah. because you are. It's so grave. If it's just I a person like who's I'm educated in the subject, they'll just give me the answers, and that's it. That's the end of the conversation. Journey. Yeah, we're gonna maybe discover th- through many, multiple episodes of this podcast what you. We'll go on this journey together. Exactly. But thank you for asking about it, because I don't really have this conversation with anyone, even in my day-to-day life, because there's no one really to talk about it with um and so i sort of i sort of just end up not ever digging into it though i'm I'm not gonna like out anyone but like i have conversations with all sorts of pokemon youtubers yeah the um and there is definitely something within the realm of pokemon that attracts an autistic mindset without question and not just the youtubers who have told me but also like viewers all the time when i messaged out and said on twitter lately you know i'm definitely on the spectrum i was not surprised at the slew of responses saying hey me as well you know well i think 
first, there, there can be many factors. I, I agree that a lot of uh, autistic people enjoy Pokemon. First, I mean, it is Pokemon is the biggest franchise, so you're going to see the most sure. representation well, of anything. But also, true. in general, also the people who are most passionate in a fandom can be autistic and true. will be the one who reach out to you. For example, I'd say autistic people are overrepresented in the people who are my patrons, who are like people who actually like actively support me. I see what you're a saying. A lot of them yeah. are autistic. It's even more interesting when it, because it is you. And I think I, w- I would assume whenever you tell pe- your friends and family that you're autistic or the people who don't know, they would be surprised <laughs> and they would be even more interested yeah. in knowing about the subject because like if Toby's autistic, <laughs> anybody can be autistic. It's not your job to find out more just for no. that sake. But it's like, but do you know what? I do want to find out more. And, and maybe I'll tell you what maybe, and this is something we've even talked about in relation to this podcast, is I struggle with really engaging and being in the moment and like i want to ask you questions right yeah i want to ask you questions about things as we talk through the podcast and in discussions i can often finding myself which makes me a terrible podcast (laughs) co-host waiting for my turn to talk which is like i think that stems from that as well um and i find that while I might seem on the surface, like I'm asking like, oh, yeah, Toby's, you know, like engaging and stuff, which I am. I'm really trying to engage yeah. um, that maybe I seem like I'm that, that maybe I know that secretly. Gosh, I'm a terrible listener. <laughs> Honestly, you've been resp- even in the last episode, you've been responding perfectly. It's more like, for example, e- again, even someone who isn't autistic and has a different disorder. For example, I have social yeah. anxiety disorder. I still ha- I have the exact same, I guess, problem where it's like. Because of my social anxiety, I am thinking a lot about what I'm, mm. I, how am I going to respond to what he's saying? Oh, I don't want there to be a uh, lull in the conversation. I don't sure. want there to be a pause. So, I'm, oh, let me quickly make sure I can find a response. And because of that, I'm not thinking, I'm not listening to you because I'm thinking of my own response. Not because I want to respond, not because I'm passionate. Maybe that's what what yours stems from, like what your problem stems from. But for me, it's the opposite where it's like, not because I'm passionate, it's because I want the other person to not feel awkward. So I really want to say something sure. to respond to what they're saying. Um, but then it, that backfires a lot. Maybe um, you and I, we should both take some time to, to like investigate it more and we can report back with our findings and, you know, <laughs> see what we do. there's a lot of overlap. O- o- OCD, ADHD, ADD, Asperger's, uh, autism, um, dyslexia, dyspraxia. There's so much crossover in these areas. It's kind of what, wild. What's funny is that a lot of people like when I just found out about social anxiety and my own social anxiety, I thought that autism was close to it but in the end it's kind of almost the opposite at least in my mind where it's like oh yeah it's not like not picking up social cues it's it's the it's picking up every social cue and not knowing which one is the one where it's like oh, i mean you know okay. you obviously know which one is like the reality especially if you have therapy you 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 learn to decipher what is your perception of reality and what is actually reality how do you delineate between because you say obviously you go therapy and then you so you know which ones yeah the logically the correct thing so when 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 there's a social cue like i've said something in a way and you're like oh i i think toby meant that as a joke but actually i'm worried that maybe he doesn't like me or there's something that or whatever how how do you because obviously you've got to deal with that conversation by conversation as you're going how do you delineate which is the kind of the correct one well in therapy you're basically relaying to your therapist all the different times that you're socially anxious throughout the week and then she'll like guide me through what she thinks the other person was thinking and then like i'll agree after disagreeing for like 20 minutes and be like no but they maybe they meant this and she's like no 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 they meant this that's normal and then i'll be like okay you're right and then through all these experiences i guess to i guess i learn that just to trust reality and not listen to myself i guess too much um because again i know reality 
it's not yeah. like I have a problem not perceiving it. It's that it's clouded by all my thoughts, I guess. <laughs> so, so now you you know that I do in fact hate you, and that exactly <laughs> that I was never that joking. This is the last <laughs> podcast. My, the problem is just because it's still a social. You still have social anxiety, sure. even even after three years of therapy. It's like it's still a problem, but especially with the pandemic, where it's like the number one way to cure or to get better with social anxiety is by socializing. And that's a problem during the pandemic. So my social anxiety got way better over the year before the pandemic, but then the pandemic struck and then it stagnated and it sucks. It sucks when you're like improving and then all of a sudden you can't improve in your disorder. Hopefully it's getting better, especially with this podcast again. Yeah. Talking with someone is important for healing. This is already, and you know, we're only on really week two of this, but uh, this has already been a really nice outlet to just like chat and catch up in the week. And also nice to dedicate some time to each other because like, I like hanging out and catching up with you, man. (laughs) Every week there's a thing, there are things that I want to ask you, but it's always way more pleasant to ask Mm. you in person and to actually, I hate just texting things that I actually really want to hear. Well, I got a big update that I want to talk to you about, um... Is it? Didn't know if you had any more questions about that. If not, I'm, I'm gonna no, drop this on you. All right, I'll bring it up in the future again, though. Cool. So I've watched all of Arcane this week. Oh. <laughs> all of it. Oh, it is so good. And look, we're not gonna make this a an Arcane podcast or anything. But um, I just gotta go watch it. Everyone needs to go watch it. It's fantastic. These characters are so well written. Oh. I, I almost gave it away because as we started recording, I was humming the Imagine Dragons song. And I was like, <laughs> no, stop, don't hum. Don't hum because it's on loop in my head right now. Yeah. Oh. Thank you. Thank you for recommending this show to me. Oh my goodness. You're welcome. Yeah, it's definitely a show that you would love. Um, dude, so I think I was hooked after episode three. Yeah. Just like everybody yep. else. I cried during the ending of episode three because the acting was so good probably the best some of the best voice acting i've ever seen from a person that is younger than 18 it was so emotional and yeah once once you cry to a show you're hooked they got you it's a real uh the thing that impressed me about it the first thing i realized impressed me about it because we got to the end of episode one and i sort of went okay you know it's nothing special it's it's this dystopian future resistance fighting against the corporate machine okay cool i've kind of seen this before and, you know and neither of us are uh are league of legends fans yeah no i've not i know nothing about league of legends um but w- what i found what really impressed me is as soon as we got into episode two and then episode three especially and then every episode following that was the show's ability to subvert expectations mm. and i'm going to recommend to anyone who wants to watch the show watch the first two episodes don't watch the first one on its own because the one on its own is still a fantastic episode but it like i don't think it really gives you a feel for what the whole show is going to be but so- by the second one there's that subversion of expectation yeah. and every time you think you know where it's going that was my experience at least i don't know when did you watch it and what was yours like so i so there are nine episodes right and each yep. three episodes are basically like a part an act so i yep. would recommend i'd say three episodes at once don't watch episode three and then watch episode four after you need some time to like think and Digest. also it's just also the way the show is structured yeah episode three and four should be separate you'd enjoy it way more coming back to episode four because it's like a whole new perspective on the show one of the coolest settings or at least the execution the art the background work the animation is all perfect it's one of the best animated shows of all time 
there's no other way to say it. There's a sex scene in the in in uh, in it. So there you go. There's your reason to go watch it. But it is. It's beautiful, right? It's it's it it takes the editing uh, and the fact that it's an animation and uses the medium to its advantage. And I love when projects do that. When shows take the format that they're in. You you couldn't take a show like Arcane and just recast it with real life people. Wouldn't work. Mm. No, no world. The editing is such a, and the animation is such a fundamental part to it. And um, the sex scene is just the example that pops to mind. There are so many examples throughout the show where the the way that the scenes are edited t- well, together and The last together. scene, for example, the last scene cannot be done in, in live action. The last yeah. shot, just oh, ha- yeah. it's so artistic and beautiful. And let's talk about Mel for a second. Probably one of the, probably the best looking... <laughs> fictional character of all time mel i cannot think (laughs) they literally sculpted a goddess um i mean yeah i I, I, really good looking characters yes all of the characters are very attractive i did think like you know like even the guy characters even the robot characters i'm like whoa these are great but there's (laughs) a there's a what my favorite character initially actually is she appears in the very first episode is the um the sort of chief of police of the enforcers um and there's this beautiful relationship um not like a romantic relationship or anything just like a a great dynamic between her and one of the characters in the undercity and i really don't want to say because i don't want to spoil but i a lot of great characters interesting a lot of characters, their alignment doesn't mean their actual morality. Even the yeah. villains act like normal people. I love it. Um, Everyone's written with such depth. And I'm just, just oh man, I'm so stoked on this show. And I'm like, I I, I need more. Like, I, can't, I can't wait for more. And yeah, yeah, the voice acting is really good. Like for example, the character that you're, you were talking about, her voice is so good. Oh, I just want to <laughs> listen to it for hours. Well, I think season two is going to come out in like five years or something because it took like five years to make season one. Um, (laughs) Oh, God. Definitely something to look forward to. Although they have all the assets now and all the actors. So maybe it'll take two or three years. We had a very different journey with the show, though, because obviously you watched the show as intended. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I mentioned this, but I had seen the final scene before watching the show, but purely by accident. It was entirely by accident. And I, I had, because I wasn't interested in League of Legends, I thought, well, I'm never going to watch this show. And I walked in and Phoebe was watching it and she was sort of in tears watching the final sequence. And I went, wow, that looked amazing. And she mm. went, you've been stood there the whole time. <laughs> and so I kind of was watching it with, a, I assume, a slightly different lens than a lot of people because really? she was saying, please don't, she was saying, please don't think about the ending. And but of course, thinking- between between every episode it was like so how do we get from here to there and uh but i'm that didn't ruin it at all i like i still obviously had an amazing time jinx is a very famous just video game character so i knew about jinx before that didn't affect my experience at all you would enjoy it even more if you're blind because if you play the game you know all the characters where they end up and stuff like that um i did a dumb thing and looked up a lot of these because I enjoyed the show so much I'm like hey what are these characters in the game and it's like oh now I kind of spoiled myself in terms of you know uh, how they end up and you know who they are who's your who's your favorite character in the show then mm. is it Mel I guess my favorite character probably Vi oh wait what's the time guy's name the uh, time Echo guy. Echo oh oh yeah Echo is the co- one of the coolest characters ever I love that you know remember Echo I, I do remember Echo although I was frustrated because I didn't know who it was at first and then it took a conversation with with phoebe mm. where we had to pause it and she sort of went it's that character oh okay <laughs> i see i see yeah echo was great i i feel that there is a lot of setup 
for minor characters to take on really big roles later yeah. down the line. If you're a normal adult, you'll enjoy that show. If you, yeah, unless you really hate animation, and that's up, that's your fault, man. You gotta yeah, <laughs> you gotta educate yourself <laughs> if you think animation is not a good medium. So I'm very glad that you watched Arcane. Um, I mean, loved it. Thank you again. <laughs> this makes me confident that you will also enjoy, like for example, Full Metal Alchemist and stuff like that, and all the other shows that I've recommended. Yeah, it's the next one, isn't it? I think it's time to get to our main segment Ooh. of the podcast, which is randomly generating Pokemon. Okay. And we'll do that after I go to the bathroom. Why was there rice in my underwear? Because you ate it and did not digest it, so you pooped it straight through as pure rice. It was very clean. Uh, it's very clean. It just went... It literally, like, like you have a hollow hole the whole way down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're generating a Pokemon. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. And the Pokemon we have today... Makuhita. Interesting. So, what's interesting about me is that about me about, about Makuhita is that mm-hmm. like I always think of Hariyama is such an iconic Pokemon in Generation Three because it looks so distorted in the game. It looks like a huge like it's yeah. huge the the sprite and the and like just the way it moves. For example, like whenever it, it does like spelling salts, that's such like a unique like animation. It looks uncanny, honestly. It looks kind of creepy sometimes in the game. It, it was like one of my OGs um, really? for my first Sapphire team, I think. Um, but I agree. Like, uncanny. It's that. It's that line where I think it's not as humanoid as like maybe Hitmonchan. Yeah. Or, but it's it like it's just Pokemon enough so that it's it's clearly a creature, but it's got those humanoid like aspects. Like it has human weird. ears, dude. The human ears yeah. are like probably the most humanoid ears I've seen in a Pokemon, and like, it, like if it had a mouth, that's it. It's a human. <laughs> like, yeah. t- so, but it's like, but it works. It, it totally works. I never like thought it was a bad design or anything. Plus, the, I mean, but Makuhita itself, so its origin is very Japanese. It's, I mean, it's, the, the family is based on like famous like sumo wrestlers, right? And okay. people that we do not know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know nothing about its origins to be honest. Makuhita was funny is that it literally has the same exact color scheme as a Pikachu. <laughs> I don't it know does that may have been like the precursor to like uh Mimikyu like maybe he was designed yeah. as a as like a Pikachu-esque kind of looking character because it's like I've a punching never bag thought about that like a punching I've bag never of a Pikachu about that. that's genius you're right Makuhita is literally yellow small chubby thing with red cheek circles and pointed things on its head that could resemble ears and black tips this is like this is Pikachu and I've never thought about that before <laughs> again I think it really looks it's like a punching bag Pikachu that's so interesting. I'd never thought about that. Makuhita is a Pokemon I actually, like, I think Hariyama is quite iconic. I forget about the pre-evolution quite a lot, I think. Hariyama seems like a Pokemon that they would have given to, like, a final boss in the game. But, like, nobody, no famous trainer has a Hariyama, at least maybe in the post-game of Emerald for, like, Brawly. But, like, Hariyama is like a Pokemon you see in, like, a final gym leader. He's a very intimidating guy. I also have strong memories of Colosseum, because I think it's the first shadow Pokemon you get to encounter Ooh. is... Uh, is Makuhita, and uh, so I got strong imagery of that that Makuhita kind of punching, and then you see the character react as if they've just been attacked by the shadow Pokemon, and it's. Uh, Have yeah. you ever had any interest in like boxing or 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 wrestling? No, no. Well, actually, no. That's not true. I did when I was a kid. I did a couple classes of some kind of martial art i think i gave up within three sessions it wasn't for me uh there was a period when i was very young where i took a stab at a lot of things as ballet there was uh there was gymnastics um but i think i just wanted to stay at home i mean what, what about you so my both my siblings took uh taekwondo 
um, for like a oh, year. Yeah. Like they did not stick with it. But like I would be in their practices, I'd say like 60% of the time. So I, I think I learned everything that they they learned because like they would also practice it at home and I would like mimic them sometimes. Yeah, I was, I was not the type to do any sports at all. I was always uh, picked last in gym and stuff like that. And oh, oh, I never felt bad about that because like I clearly am not <laughs> a sports no. guy. Um, and I also did not enjoy, for example, basketball. I would... I was, I'm scared of the basket. I was scared of the ball. <laughs> it's a hard ball. And like, whenever it like it hits the rim and comes back, I'm like, I never want to touch it. Cause it's like moving at a speed that could, I, it actually not broke my finger. What's the, what's below breaking sprain fractured. No, no that's fractures worse than breaking. I is think. it? Wait, wait is really? It? Wait, wait, what's the one where it's like shattered? <laughs> I guess that's shattering. <laughs> I, I guess. I, yeah. yeah. Fracture. I don't know. Is fracture worse than or? What? I think a fracture is lighter than a break. I think if I fracture, I fracture my just arm, like a, it's just like a like a, just a like, line. I guess. Yeah, but like a break implies that it's like it's done. It's yeah. it's out of here. But <laughs> there's one back. thing blo- above a break. But I guess that's shatter. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I guess so. I guess if I shattered my leg, that'd be worse than a break. It was. It <sighs> was where the ball hit my middle finger as I was trying to catch <sighs> it, and it just became it, it became all black and blue. It didn't break or anything, oh. but I had to wear, you know, a splint, stuff like that. Oh, I feel, oh, I feel that. And ever was since a, then, I just don't the, catch a basketball. <laughs> is that like the worst injury that you had in, in school or anything? Oh, no. <gasps> I I stood on, I was this was second grade, so I was seven. Um, so we have these benches, you know, the school bench, the benches for yeah. lunch, you know, near the tables. I stood on one of them and it fell and I hit my head on a nail. And so ah. I cut open my head, bleeding everywhere. I had to get uh, staples on my head. That was the worst thing that ever happened in school. But it's technically better than breaking an arm because that was like you just get staples on your head, and then you can still do things. You just have to make sure not to get your head hit again. <laughs> like it's like breaking your leg or arm, really, but more blood. Oh my goodness! I like. I hope no one listening to the podcast is particularly screamish because I'm like, you're saying these things and I I, like get a shiver up my sweat. Ah, 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 That's awful. (laughs) Yeah. And what's funny is like I'm squeamish about things when I actually see them, but not when I talk about them. Yeah. I saw like a, even like just a dead cat while I was walking and that ruined my week, man. That was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, no, I feel that, like, if I'm walking and there's, like, even, even like, a dead bird on a road, and, I mean, cat's way worse, but, like, if I see a dead bird on the road, um, which is super common, yeah, I, I like, yeah. I just, like, jump. I get, like, a, oh, yeah. what's that? Why is that there? It just shouldn't be there. Um, I hate getting surprised by that, because it's, yeah. it's, just, it's just, oh, morbid, and <laughs> it's right there. Why is it there? Yeah, I guess I'm desensitized with the dead bird thing, but when it's a mammal, I guess you're just more attached to it, I guess. Also, especially sense. if it's a domesticated animal like a cat, it's like no, yeah, that's yeah. a that's like seeing a dead human almost. It's um, a friend one. Yeah, I see what you say. Um, and I've never seen a dead human before, so it's like that was like the closest I've ever gotten to that, and I'd never want to see anything dead <laughs> ever again. No. It, was, it was also mangled because I mean, how else would a cat die? I guess in the middle of a sure, road? sure, sure. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, that was not fun. Um, why have you ever seen anything worse than a dead bird? But it wasn't worse, but like my, I saw my granny after she had passed away mm. because there was, it wasn't like an open casket or anything like that. It was, uh, it was a weird one actually. I was at home and, uh, she was ill and she was getting home. This, I promise, by the way, for anyone listening, I will get away from this topic as quickly <laughs> as I get into it. So it's not that bad. Um, but it was just a case of, you know, she, she's very, very old and it was her time and, um, she had family with her and it was loving and she was in her own home and she was just kind of, 
I sort of I phoned mum just to be like hey how's things going are you alright and I knew she was over at Granny and Grandpa's mm. and she said yeah and there was something in the voice that I just I thought I'm gonna go for a cycle because I used to do that all the time I used to cycle around town with like pretty aimlessly just like I'm just gonna go for a cycle for like an hour and I was like I'll cycle and I'll swing by and just see if everything's okay and as it happened I, I cycled by and they said well actually Granny's just passed away do you want to come in and so I kind of went into the room and you know held her hand gave her a kiss on the forehead and sort of that was that was uh, nice it was a nice thing it wasn't a bad yeah. thing um, I actually I'm very grateful for having that experience it was like a very private yeah. family goodbye as it but so yeah there was kind of that um with those kind then, of things closure is like the number one thing you want yeah 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 it was so that wasn't like a like that it's worse than a burden or a cat in, in that it's a person but it wasn't worse in that it was actually not a positive emotion but like in didn't retrospect a really nice yeah it didn't trouble whereas i think like if i saw like a really mangled cat that would ruin my week <laughs> That would ruin my week too, I think. Um, and I, I, I don't think I've seen anything worse than that. Whoa, this podcast has gone places. <laughs> Stupid Makuhita. Let's go back to Makuhita. <laughs> go back. I want to go back. <laughs> oh my goodness. What's funny is that like there are a lot of Pokemon that you just like... Is Makuhita an example of a Pokemon that you rarely think about? Yeah, definitely. I mean, what is it about those kind of Pokemon? What makes a Pokemon... Not for not bad, but just like you barely think about it. Not not talking about like bad Pokemon, like Seeking or I mean I don't know if Seeking's bad to you, but like Pokemon that are below average in terms of design. Yeah, there definitely are some forgettable ones. The ones that aren't below average, ones that are just right in the middle. Like, you have to come back to me on that. Sorry, my head's still in the last topic a little bit. I feel like <laughs> we should acknowledge just because that's quite a heavy thing for the audience. We should maybe just acknowledge that yes, we did just talk about that. We are going to go back to Pokemon now. Everyone, take a breath. You're all very loved. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, Makuhita, forgettable Pokemon, kind of average. There are definitely some that, like, I'll be working on a video and I'll be like, yeah, that Pokemon exists. Uh, why haven't I haven't thought about you in, like, <laughs> months? <laughs> it's odd because, like, for my job, our job, I have to look at every Pokemon at least once a month because let's say I'm making a video where, you know, yeah. I need to look at every Pokemon to find the Pokemon that I need for the video. Or let's say making a list or just talking about, I don't know, Pokemon that are constantly in pain. Like, I'll have to look through every Pokemon, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. I'll skim through the ones that I just don't care about. I'm going to have a quick look at, like, an image of every Pokemon and just see who jumps to mind as, like, a oh, yeah, never thinking about them. I was, it was funny. I'll, maybe I'll look at Birdkeeper Toby's tr- uh, Tree of Life poster. His <laughs> mm, you should get one of those <laughs> if um, you haven't already. I think like Mian Fu, Mian Xiao, they jump to mind as Pokemon I don't really think about much. I had to um, think about them recently because I had made a Pokemon that looks like it and I used it as reference. But oh, yeah. yeah, Mian Fu, Mian Xiao, it's like, though, like they're not bad Pokemon at all. They're, I'd say they're right. slightly above average, but it's like they have not been significant in the franchise at all. Unless, Maybe to a, a lesser ex- to a lesser extent, like Granbull. Like Granbull's a great Pokemon. I think Granbull's a fantastic Pokemon, but I like I just don't think about it ever. Well, that's the difference. So it's like because Granbull is a below average Pokemon, I do think about it. Like it's a Pokemon that I do not like. So it's like oh, interesting. Why don't you Why don't you like about Granbull? So a bunch of my Pokemon, the Pokemon that I dislike, are usually ones that I literally just when I look at them, I feel uncomfortable in some way. It's not like Pokemon that I deem as, nah, that's a below average Pokemon based on the concept uh-huh. and design. It's more like, nah, I don't like, I don't feel not fun. It's not fun looking at this Pokemon for me, at least. So sure. I don't like it. Um, so yeah, Gramble, like the teeth are disgusting to me. And it's like, why are the teeth under the skin? Like it's skin I, teeth. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, no, that makes sense. I, I think if we were pre-Legends Arceus, I would have said, like, Mothim. But Mothim has been, like, in <laughs> Legends Arceus, it's just everywhere. And yeah. it's, like, impossible to ignore. There's no definitive answer for these forgettable Pokemon, because yeah, you said Gramble. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and I think about how much I hate it every day. Um, <laughs> Every day, you get you look in the mirror, and you you see in the the, the bottom corner your little <laughs> sticker of a gramble that you you look at yourself in the mirror. Come on, Ron, today's the day. Don't be like. And you look down. Ugh, gramble. <laughs> <laughs> at least I'm not a gramble. <laughs> at least I'm not gramble. You know <laughs> that that would be a terrible existence. Um, <sighs> it's finally time for the final segment. Cool. So the final segment again is usually we just come up with some kind of either list of our favorite stuff or some kind of game or some kind of behind the scenes stuff. Since last in the first episode, we talked about our favorite shows. I think oh, yeah. it makes sense to talk about our favorite movies. Now the ones that again, either define our lives or have had a, had a significant uh, effect on how we look at things. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about you go first this time? I went first last time. So your fifth favorite movie or whatever is the bottom one. And I have actually ordered these. So, I, okay, I got... The thing is, I got, I got an A option and I got a B option because I got, I got a fifth favorite movie, but I like it for all the same reasons that I like some of the other movies on the list. But mm. there is something that's sort of like more of an honorable mention that I think I want to address, which is basically the entire MCU because <laughs> I don't think it's fair even if though I have I have preferences in that I really like Spider-Man Homecoming you know I love Endgame and Infinity War and all the, but the thing is like it's a, it's just a really long show yeah, it's not that's how you, you know, should look I, at this by the way I, I don't know that I could take a piece out of it like like the pieces that I love the most about it are not devoid from their relationship to other films in there so yeah. i just i i don't know that i can say these that like you know but like has anything ever beat Endgame? all of the characters lining up in the portal sequence like no of course not that's a but that's a cinematic event yeah. as the result of 10 years of build-up so i don't know how i compare it to other films so but i kind of wanted to say that first because i figured we might end up talking about the mcu yeah and the mcu film is in my top five um and again also yeah i have a's and b's and like multiple in one spot is it later down the line your mcu movie Should no i mean we can talk about it now like but yeah, like go for it it's like my second it was like it was second on my list would be infinity war and endgame together yeah at least as an experience endgame definitely the best cinematic experience i have ever had and that anybody can have same um and Infi- i think infinity war is slightly slightly better as a movie yeah i think that's fair but they're same tier <laughs> definitely I- I yeah no MC movie MCU movie can top that at least for me although Captain America Winter Soldier and maybe yes. even Civil War those I remember watching Captain uh, Winter Soldier and be like whoa this is not just a good Marvel movie this is like the first yeah, time it's a good like, movie this is a great movie so about a year ago me and Phoebe did a rewatch of everything MCU and like all of the extended bits so like Venom and like all that we watched everything we possibly could and we like did a full on ranking list and what I found interesting is that like my favourite MCU you movies are like a couple of the solo ones so like the first Iron Man movie mm. and uh, Spider-Man Homecoming I just think it's brilliant yeah, but too. that's because Spidey's my favourite right mm. but then I don't think they're better films than Winter Soldier, which I think is probably the best MCU movie, but then, ah, there's Endgame and Infinity War, and, like, it's all about those. So, like, how do you... I find ranking those films fun to do, but also really hard to do, because you're separating... 
them as films to them as events to their your personal favorites like my personal favorite is probably probably the, the spider-man homecoming or maybe iron man one but really i I, I acknowledge that there are better films in the MCU than those films. They're just maybe like, they're the ones that I watch and go, ha oh, ha these are fun and I'm a little child watching them. <laughs> Wait, does that mean you, you enjoyed Homecoming more than uh, No Way Home? I, just, I still don't know. Mm. I don't know because No Way Home, I immediately, I, I, I whipped out the list and put at the very top, No Way Home question mark. <laughs> and I, I need to watch it like five more times before I make that distinction. Here are the, like, that's the, here's the difference. So it's like, Everybody can have different opinions on whether or not MCU movies are good films. Um, yeah. But the f- literal fact is that you and me are both huge Marvel fans, right? Yeah. And that we had probably one of the best experiences we ever had watching, for example, Endgame. If another film can't do that, it's like, obviously, I'm going to remember Endgame forever. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and it's going to be in my top five. I'm not saying it's critically it's like it should be the standard for film but it should definitely be the standard Mm. for cinema experience maybe like some kind of entertainment the people i know there was that famous scorsese Scorsese quote where he's like ah you know these things aren't cinema and i understand what he's trying to say i completely disagree though you know what's funny is that he wasn't even talking about marvel movies he was talking about superhero movies in general right yeah Um, yeah 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 um, which is and, and even but even with that I disagree because yeah. there are some fantastic superhero movies like yeah. um, I've got some on my list <laughs> yeah there's a difference if you're going to watch a film for entertainment there's literally no shame in watching a Marvel yeah. movie there, 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 I think there is absolutely a place as there is with different genres of film like horror or comedy there is absolutely a place for if you want to go and dissect the craft of filmmaking there's going to be shows and films you like Arcane that are out there and ready to be watched and dissected yeah. but if you want to go and you just want to see dinosaurs tear each other apart well Jurassic World is right here here's that's where I'm, fine too here's where I'm torn though it's like I don't actually I don't watch Marvel movies for the action stuff that's what's funny is I watch because I actually enjoy the characters and I want to see yeah. the, either the development or I love just superpowers in general. I don't need to see super explosions. I actually don't like, for example, Iron Man 3. I Even though I actually Iron Man 3 is underrated, I think, I fell asleep during the action sequence, uh, during like the climax. Because it, it was, at least to me, it was just a lot of explosions. I also didn't like, care about the villain as much. But like, even though I really do care about Tony Stark, I'm a big fan of Iron Man and Tony Stark. Yeah. Um, but for example, I'm a huge like Homecoming. I love even though you know half of it, you know, the majority of it isn't like huge explosions or anything. Like so, it's like no, I just really like the characters. This is like watching a series. I think that's the number way you should watch Marvel movies. I feel you, but you you gotta go back and watch that Iron Man three ending. I did, sequence. I did. I obviously it, didn't. It, oh yeah, I didn't sleep good. the second time I watched it. Uh, I good. Okay. Obviously enjoyed. I enjoyed the context even more. But it's like. Just I I, I just it's just a fact that I don't go to these movies to watch the action. I go to watch mm. more the the Characters fiction, the the science mm. fiction. I guess because I'm a fan of that um, uh, and all the creative ways that they come up with the stories or the, they deal with their situations and stuff. I think Marvel shouldn't be disparaged for being like a TV series because it should be praised right. for being this cool medium or this new medium that's like between movie and. TV basically where it's like so, uh, and some episodes are worse than others but some episodes are fantastic and exactly. the 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 plot overall is like really fun to watch you know maybe one episode we'll talk about like our favorite well that, mm. that actually be, that would be a good third segment topic which in is a just future thing ranking, we should totally do that ranking our favorite well, MCU films uh, th- this blends me on if it's okay with you I will I'll take the next one because it blends in perfectly with this which is the dark knight 
it's my sixth favorite movie, I guess. So I, I didn't put it on my list, but we'll yeah, Show. we can definitely talk about it. Dark Knight is my, probably was my favorite superhero film before like the crazy awesome like MCU movies like Endgame and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. But again, like I find them hard to compare against each other. Like because yeah. they're so different. Dark Knight but- way better plot than any MCU film ever. Like Dark Knight yeah. is just an amazing movie. It's not even you don't even have yeah. to think of it as a superhero movie. That's like even my father enjoys Dark Knight to the max, you know? It, it's literally so captivating, and it's got this such a incredible start, like the opening sequence, the bank heist at the beginning, Oof. and then that's just it. I'm in, right? You watch it, and I'm just like, it, it's a long movie, but I'll that time just flies by every time, and it it bookends itself really well as well because the I, I watched this brilliant video by a YouTuber called Lessons from the Lessons from the Screenplay, who I think you'd really enjoy if you don't know. Mm. They do breakdowns of various scenes and various things, and they're talking about why the Joker's the perfect villain for Batman, wouldn't yeah. work in maybe other scenarios, but why, why this film works. And um, they were talking about the, the ending, which is about the decision on the boats to bl- whether these two boats are going to blow up each other, and if they don't do it in time, then maybe they'll both be blown up. And what was wonderful about that is they were saying, when we go to a superhero movie, we all know there's got to be a sequel because... It's a franchise, and that's what they do. But in this instance, for this gritty, uh, you know, Dark Knight film, there's a world where they could have ended it with the Joker winning the heart of Gotham by having the boats both blow up. That could have been the ending to the Dark Knight. And could have been like the Empire Strikes Back kind of ending. Exactly. Exactly what he says in the video. And I, I think... I just think that that tension feels so real. The stakes are real. It doesn't matter if Batman can beat Joker in a fist fight. The stakes are the stakes very much there and very much possible. The ideals of all these characters. Who's going to yeah. break? For example, you see Harvey Dent's his ideals broke, <laughs> like because of his experience. So it's like you don't want Batman to just become a murderer, for example, or just to throw out yeah. his ideals, his because he's a symbol. Um, yeah, I think a lot of the heart of that whole franchise is done the best in The Dark Knight. They just really understood the dynamic between the you know Batman and the Joker in that one. Yeah. Um, ever since then, I always like imagining, oh, what would be a read? How would you redesign these characters and make them more realistic? Even though I definitely prefer you know the mm-hmm. more animated versions and stuff like that, but it's just fun having that alternative where it's like I want to see that done well too. I I have heard the criticism and I kind of agree with it that. Um as a result of films like The Dark Knight, the DC franchise felt the need to continue to be really gritty and dark. Yeah. And I think they missed the point is that The Dark Knight's a good movie because it's a good movie, not because it's gritty and dark. You know, that's an element of it. Have you seen The Suicide Squad? Yeah. So, like, the latest one's the really latest good, one, but the old one was really bad. So, that's exactly how you make a DC movie. Yeah. You know, the new Suicide Squad very campy but I love the colors the colors are actually really yeah. well done the color grading in that film like every it looked, they looked like super villains you know they actually looked like comic characters because the colors were graded in a way that made them colorful the costumes were very goofy but you know that those were the characters they fit the characters very well yeah it was all, it was a comedy film <laughs> what other yeah. superhero uh, I mean DC film is a comedy film uh, um, only one other which is the only other one I enjoyed which was Shazam oh yeah because Shazam is another way you do it so yeah, th- yeah they're learning it's just that it doesn't have a cohesive feel. Like, it's not like... I guess, actually, the Shazam and Suicide Squad feel like they're in the same universe. I mean, they are. Yeah, I could see that. Um, 
so that they're learning somehow, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's just- Although, and I know we're getting a little off, this is becoming the DC podcast here, but like Joker, the standalone film, definitely not a comedy, maybe a dark comedy, yeah. but also really good. Yeah, it's the point is just make a good film. I don't care. Like you don't. Yeah. Need, who cares what style it is? Just make a good film. There are rules yeah. in in terms of how you make a good film. We've had hundreds of years of cinema. Learn from it. I I get it's very hard to make a film. There are a lot of moving pieces. The there's the only thing to learn is just if you make a good film, people will like it. If they if you don't, they won't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but okay, the only other superhero movie that is on my list, other than MCU and DC and stuff. That is actually in my top five, and I think is generally a movie that is top five worthy. Is The Incredibles? Oh, good show! Yes, <laughs> good shout. The Incredibles is literally just a well-made film in every single aspect, <laughs> like the acting, the like the scenarios, and like the way the characters act. They act like normal characters. It feels like it could have been live action, but like obviously it looks way better because it's animated. The the art direction is amazing. I love the style, like this like fifties kind of style. I love the relationships between the characters and their growth. The character development is amazing in that. In, that's like a well done yeah. character development for characters. I love the sequences. The action is really good. I love the power. Again, I'm a huge fan of just powers, and the powers were amazingly executed in that in that movie. Everybody had a t- chance to shine and do something creative with their powers. The antagonist is one of the best villains. <laughs> yeah. Everybody understands his plan. You understand his goal. You understand his motivation. Just another example of people feeling real. Like, there's the sequence... I, I don't know why my brain always goes there, but it's the sequence where the uh, the mum, uh, Mrs. Incredible... Uh, I forget her name. Uh, Pop. What's her name? The uh, mum. The mum! Yeah, Mrs. Gr- Mama, Mrs. Incredible, but what's Mrs. Her- Incredible's flex lady. She it's is a very, like... like- Common name, I know. Helen, Helen Parr. Helen Helen says she's like that. She discovers that uh, Vi and Dash are on the are on the plane, and then the missiles are coming into the plane, and it it's this weird, incredible shift where it doesn't like go. Hey, this is a kids' film, even though it is. It's very much just like your your lives are in danger, and you see it and you feel it, and it's like. She's just doing her best as a mum to save her kid's life. And it's like, it's this really real moment of like emotion in the film that stands out. And I don't know why that moment stands out so much, but it really does. It's like, oh man, yeah, this film is like, it's not just animated kids' film. The dialogue is just, it feels realistic. It's, I mean, Brad Bird is really good at that. Um, And I think. Like, for example, the scenes that always stand out to me are just the ones where they act like normal people and you see they're, like, them struggling just to live. For example, like, yeah. um, when Mr. Incredible is confined and he he uh, he grabs, what's her name? Like, the Mirage, is that her name? Yeah, yeah. He grabs her and, like, he threatens to kill her in front of Syndrome. And it's like, that the hero threatening to kill someone in like a film and he obviously you can see that he doesn't want to do it and like he does, doesn't yeah. do it and it's like that's so realistic or like the or just the protagonists like fight having a fight like the like mr and mrs incredible have you know f- having this marriage problems and it's very realistic dialogue it, it is not kids movie dialogue it just literally sounds like two people having yeah, an actual fight that's it so yeah, that's those are those are my favorite stuff in in the film and also i again i really do like the art direction I, even as a kid I just, from the beginning, that was one of the first films where I, like, I remembered the style of the film. Like, mm. if you're, because in the credits, I think they show, like, the, 
maybe the concept art or whatever, or just like the style of the concept art. It's yeah. you should look at the concept art of the Incredibles. It's like, you know, there's every chance I'm watching the Incredibles uh, after this now. Like, like just talking about it, I'm like, oh, it's been way too long incredibly since I've watched Incredibles. Ha! <laughs> Zing! Oh, those are my favorite films. All my films are films that you can watch a billion times. I mean, that's, yeah. I feel like that's with everybody. Everybody's favorite films they can watch a billion True. times. But let me actually talk about my fifth yeah. favorite film. Um, again, these are all in the same tier. Um, Scott Pilgrim. I knew you were going to say it, so I didn't put it on my list. Really? <laughs> uh, I didn't know you were going to say it, but I suspected you might. So it is the film that best demonstrates uh, visual comedy, the framing, amazing directing. That is how you <laughs> visual comedy, like where the, it's funny because of how it is framed in the you know on screen, how the characters move, yeah. how the the direction, how the sh- camera moves. You have to show that in film class. <laughs> so this is this is well, it's, it's all of them. It's Scott Pilgrim. It's the other Edgar Wright films. Drive. It's, yeah, every um, Edgar Baby, Baby Wright Driver. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Hot Fuzz. One of the all of them, right? The thing that they do so well, and, and we were talking about this with Arcane, is when when a bit of media embraces the medium that it's in, in yeah. the way that Arcane does with animation and editing. In this sense, you couldn't have Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the stage play. It, right, it just wouldn't work. Mm, yeah, the definitely. editing, the transitions, the the text on screen, the cutaways, these things are part of the media itself. And when you can root yourself in the medium like that, it not only shows just creativity from the filmmakers, but it's it's fun. It's fun to watch. 100%. And it's like, when people criticize, I guess, Scott Pilgrim, it's always just maybe the characters but it's like mm. I'm not watching, even though I actually am enjoying the characters. Like Scott Pilgrim himself isn't <laughs> isn't uh, an idol, like, isn't someone you should no, worship. Sure. But like, no, I'm there for the actual filmmaking. That's why I can watch it a billion times because I'm always just enjoying the art itself and the acting yeah. is really good too. They took advantage of the medium more than any other film I've ever seen. Um, yeah. They did everything that they could with film <laughs> and editing and 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 directing i can't think of another film where it's like every other film like even the best ones it's like there is probably something that they didn't take advantage of like maybe the editing wasn't the best editing you've ever seen it's definitely like yeah. an academy award winning winning directing or visual effects or something but maybe the editing or maybe the acting wasn't the best acting in the world but no other than the acting i think scott pilgrim in terms of filmmaking did everything above average <laughs> yeah no, I mean I agree. It was so nearly on my list, and and I lo- I I have a lot of nostalgic attachment to it. And I don't know if I told you that you probably know. I like I did film at uni. That was my degree is yeah. in film production, and so like films like Scott Pilgrim were like there there was a certain sort of um, subsection of the class, myself included, where it was mm-hmm. like films like that. It's like we just want to analyze and break down and watch the behind the scenes or anything to do with something like that because it's like. This is just interest. This is just different. Um, Sorry, if if you haven't watched Scott Scott Pilgrim for anybody, it's basically imagine taking a comic book and actually turning it into film, and it isn't cringe <laughs> to all the zoomers. It's not cringe. Yeah, and if you if you want again like a more subtle introduction to that kind of thing, like I do think Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz do very similar stuff in, and, yeah. and are both equally excellent. Would honestly, I could flip them in and out of this top list easily enough like they're all brilliant they're all brilliant um and i think what's funny is that all the films that we brought up they're all based on comic books <laughs> every single one we brought up and i'm not 
we probably are exaggerating in terms of like how awesome these films are. It's not like there there are definitely like a hundred films that, them. that could be better in terms of yeah. like in terms of acting, in terms of story and screenplay, or in terms of directing. I just love the boundaries that were pushed in those yeah. films, whether it be uh, visual effects in let's say Endgame and Infinity War, or or again directing in Scott Pilgrim, or story in Dark Knight. I, they excelled at one thing really well. And it made the experience very fun to watch and unique. Uh, do you have any other films that aren't the superheroes on your list? Yeah, actually, I mean, my next one is a complete contrast to all of this, which is um, when Harry met Sally. <laughs> have you watched? Have you watched when Harry met Sally? No, I haven't. Obviously, there's a famous scene in that film, but like yes. um, that I haven't seen. I would definitely enjoy it, especially now that you've recommended it. I feel like okay, I have to watch it already. It, I mean, it's the third favorite film, apparently, according to what I've written. I, you know, and again, all of these favorite films they they merge and change and of all over time. But when Harry met Sally's been on this list. Probably since I first watched it in 2016, and I am—I'm not a rom-com person. I don't particularly really? like rom-coms. Not in a—I dislike them. I just don't go out of my way to watch yeah, them. And I, I watched when Harry met Sally, um, and it, it's a film tackling the question: Can men and women just be friends? Can oh. you? And that—that's sort of the the core of it. And lessons from the screenplay also did a video about that. And whereas rom-coms take a very traditional format you know the old ones anyway very traditional boy meets girl they don't get along they're forced due to exterior things to kind of be in contact with each other they realize there's a flirtation they want to be together but uh oh there's some other exterior force maybe a job a parent whatever that means they can't be together and we're rooting them to get them to be together all along when harry met sally takes a very different approach it says uh boy meets girl they don't like each other very much and they say goodbye to each other by the end of the first scene and uh. there are i don't want to spoil too much about the film because you haven't seen it but they obviously because the whole film is about these two people they re-interact uh, across periods of time and with that um there invites a level of comparison between all the different times in which we meet them but also them as two friends in relation to their couple, their friends who are all in relationships mm. um there are it's really interesting to see the dynamics and well shouldn't they be in a relationship why aren't they in a relationship what's that about maybe they will be in a relationship how's this going to go and it's um it's really interesting it's about human interaction at its finest and i i think it is one of the most beautifully written film films and if if tomorrow if any friend of mine said do you want to watch when harry met, harry met sally i literally would be so excited i'd be like yes i do if, any day if we lived to you know next to each other i would definitely come by and watch it with you right now actually like tonight we, we could watch <laughs> it over discord sometime mate. Maybe, i'd be maybe. well up for it <laughs> Because, like, I mean, we're recording this on a Thursday, and Thursday Thursday nights and Sunday nights are usually when I watch a film, if I do watch a film. Um, so, you never know, I may watch it tonight. Although, I'm trying to think if there are other films that I needed to watch, because we're recording after, like, Oscar season, so I may, like, have to watch uh, some true. films that were nominated or, or uh, won. Is there anything on your list that kind of hits that so Oscar-worthy... Yeah, the uh, next two films know. are Oscar-worthy. <laughs> okay. Um, they're technically tied for first. A Silent Voice... Have you ever heard of A Silent Voice? I've never even heard of it, so you're going to have to paint me the picture It's here. a Japanese animated film. Okay. It was. It basically came out the same year as Your Name. Have you ever heard of Your Name? I've heard of it, but I haven't seen Your it. Your Name was a phenomenon. It, one of the highest grossing films in Japan. It was 
it's a beautiful film, one of the best looking films. Animation is gorgeous. Story is a lot of twists and turns, very fun story, but it overshadowed a silent voice, which people think is slightly better in terms of like both are like ninety five percent on Rotten Tomato, maybe even sure, hundred. Sure, sure. Both are like top tier films. Silent voice is just better maybe story and characters, I guess. Um so a silent voice is one of those films, I'll talk about the plot, for, but first I want to talk about the feeling that I had while watching it. One of those films where th- literally the entire runtime of the of the film, I was on the brink of crying. I was on the brink of, like, I had that, like, feeling in my throat before you're, you're, oh, wow. you want to cry. Well, you know, usually while you're watching a film, maybe there's a few scenes that you want to cry and you actually do cry. This was a film where, no, throughout the entire movie, I was in the, on the verge of tears because I really connected with the protagonist who has social anxiety disorder. Um... And it's probably the most realistic uh, depiction, at least based on my experience, of social anxiety. Because usually other films like Punch Drunk Love, where, ha- where characters supposedly have social anxiety disorder, are just like, they're crazy. They're not, they don't have social anxiety, they're just psychotic. Or or either they're agoraphobic, agoraphobic, where they literally cannot be outside at all. Well, this person, no, he acted like a normal person, but his the way he acted around people was exactly how I act sometimes around people. So here's what the plot is, though. It's basically mm-hmm. the protagonist... As a middle, as a in elementary school, severely bullied this deaf girl. Okay. Um, and the film is basically him reuniting with her in high school, um, and basically wow. trying to make amends. And basically, wow. because of his experience in middle school, he basically became shunned, um, from and ostracized, and developed social anxiety disorder, and. It's basically, you know, what happens once he actually meets up with this girl once again after, like, you know, not seeing her for, like, t- you know, 10 years or whatever. Um, and how do they both, how do, how does she deal with the trauma of, you know, her of what happened to her in the past or what happened to her, you know, in the present? And how does he deal with, you know, desperately wanting to make amends, but, like, everything, not going wrong, but things going against that and, like, and, like, trying to genuinely show, you know, his feelings when he mm-hmm. literally has social anxiety disorder. Um, and again, it's also animated, so it's, it looks amazing. It's so pretty. The I, It's one of those films, again, people, there's a whole dub, sub-dub debate, but I think a lot of people agree that the dub is worthy too because they actually cast a deaf girl as the as the deaf girl, as Shoko, and she does an amazing job. <laughs> like, it makes it way more realistic. Wow. While in the sub, well, in, you know, in the Japanese version, I don't think she's deaf, but I may be wrong. Um d- the, there's a mechanic that they do that shows this guy's social anxiety, which is when you're seeing the film throughout through his perspective, everybody's face is covered in an X because he's not looking at their eye, he's not looking at their face. Okay. And it's like it you're, makes sense. You're making to me. you've sold it. You've sold it. I'm you've sold it. I want to watch it. They Silent do voice. a really good job with that mechanic. Um, yeah. It's still an anime, so there's some anime tropes, I think, but that's more just because it's just Japanese. So there's a lot of just Japanese things that may not that Americans would be confused about <laughs> for like a second like oh what does that joke mean I don't understand that but um no it's really well done a lot of there's it's funny it's heartwarming it's oh I, there were scenes that actually did make me cry um and but it's like a film that I don't want to rewatch because it's it's so sad <laughs> like in terms of like it just makes me want to cry the entire time but uh no it has a satisfying ending so don't worry about that but like um but uh yeah I I, I just prefer rewatching it while watching reactions of other like I've watched people react to it 
instead of me sitting down and having to go through that again. <laughs> well, hopefully I'll, I'll bring a reaction to you in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. I, that's, I mean, you've sold it. It just yeah. sounds fascinating. It's, I mean, such a good concept. Bully tries to tries to reunite with and make amends to the person that they bullied is such an instant formula for drama and chemistry that, mm. like, wow, I want to see how that goes, you know? Yeah, and it, and it goes, you know, unexpected. There's not a lot of tropes in terms of how the story goes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so A Silent Voice for anybody who hasn't okay. watched it and is a fan of... If you've watched Your Name, people always say, watch A Silent Voice right after. And a lot of people have watched Your Name, I'm assuming, in my in our audience. Um, oh, yes, yes, I would have thought so. All right, so I have one more film, but do you have any other films? Well, I, I got two more. I'm going to glaze over the second one, though, because it's kind of an odd thing, is um, Tenacious D and The Pick of Destiny. <laughs> which I have seen a lot of clips from that on YouTube. It's kind of an odd one because it's not critically acclaimed. In fact, yeah. I don't even know if, as a movie, it's good. But I didn't even know it was a movie until recently. I it, thought it is just, a movie. I thought it's, it was a show yeah. or like a special. <laughs> well, this is the wonderful thing about it. So it's Jack Black and Carl Gass, who are obviously the band Tenacious D. Uh, I love Jack Black. He's my favorite celebrity probably ever of all time. And Natural I, born entertainer. Yeah. I think he's great. And Tenacious D is like... Jack, Jack Black puts his heart into a lot of projects, like you can see with Jablinski Games, where it's just like, this is just him having fun. And Sorry, I think one of my favorite like clips to watch, rewatch, like six second meme, is him dancing to and singing the Five Nights and Freddy song on Jablinski. <laughs> have you ever seen that? Yeah, I have. <laughs> it's just him, Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, that's where I, I mean, want to be. He he just he oozes an organic funness and. Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny strikes me as a movie that there's no other way to describe it. It's the same kind of content, just with a higher budget, that um, I would have made when I was 12 on YouTube with my friends. You know, or not 12, but like 14 with my friends. Because it's it's just friends making stuff together. And it's for that reason that I love it so much. It's not a critically good film, and it never will be. And it's not even necessarily structurally a good film, but (laughs) it's fun. And when you can... It, it, and not even fun in a dumb explosions kind of way. It's uh, when you get who these people are and what they're about and that this is just two best mates making a thing together. Yeah. Uh, there's something to be said for that, that it sits, it has a very special place in my heart, you know? Especially when it's two famous people doing that, you know? Yeah. It's like, that's when, you know, these are genuine people that just want to make art. And yeah. like Jack Black, again, I love artists who are famous in multiple mediums like mm. for example as a musician as an actor as a comedian Jack Black is an example of that Childish Gambino is an example of that yeah 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 yeah, um, yeah. Donald Glover so yeah I, I always respect those kind of people because they're just artists pure artists hugely but I, I I won't spend too long on that do you want to do your number one or shall I do my number one what do we want to go for it's about whose number one is we'll end on the one the number one that's the happiest happier film do you think yours is a happier film no, mine's not a happy film. Okay, whatever. Mine isn't either. I mean, the ending is really good. Everybody loves the ending. Yeah. But well, maybe we've got the same film. Maybe I don't know. My favorite <laughs> film of all time is The Shawshank Redemption. Oh, brilliant movie. <laughs> yeah, fantastic movie. Um, I think that is just a the movie I think I can watch a billion times. I already have. You can. I love films that you can just catch on TV from the middle and rewatch. Yeah. Because like, I love films that are like segmented into like times of a person's life. Like, do, like... The Godfather, like uh, Forrest Gump, those are the, my favorite types of films. So, like The Godfather and Forrest Gump are definitely they could be here. Like, yeah, yeah. Everybody's you know in everybody's top twenty or something. But like, Wolf Shawshank Wall Street Redemption. does that. 
Oh, same, yeah, same, same, same kind of deal. Exactly yeah. like it, same kind of reason. Um, but actually, good fellas, good fellas. Shawshank and Wolf of Wall Street, if I'm not mistaken, are based on true stories, right? I think Shawshank, Shawshank is, right? is not a true story, no. That's based is on it a, not based on a true Stephen, story? Stephen King novel. My bad, my bad. But there you go. Okay. Well, yeah, no, but I mean, Shawshank's fantastic. Shawshank's d- an amazing film. I mean, it's already everybody knows what it is but if you haven't guy goes to prison <laughs> what, yeah. what happens in prison and it's everything that you can think of happens that that you know i mean maybe the tropes come from shashank redemption i don't know but like it's not that tropey where it's like oh this happened this obvious thing that always happens in prison happens but it's like nah it's done in, in a in a way in a tasteful way and like a way that actually advances the plot and everything that like you fall in love with the protagonist and the the dude protagonist mm. the secondary character Morgan Freeman's character Red yeah one of the best film characters of all time uh it's just an amazing screenplay it's, it's the best films are the ones where this, literally the screenplay is just amazing and the yeah. actors do a good job uh, acting the it. Wonder, the wonderful thing that they do in that is that the um Andy Dufresne is in prison for the murder of his ex-wife and you root for him even though you don't know did he didn't he you just know why he's in prison um and i think that's whether whether he actually did it or not is is maybe maybe left up to interpretation on purpose or maybe it's just simply not the point is like whether he did it or not isn't the point of the film the point is is this journey um which is it's just brilliant it's probably the most human also human depiction of like prison too because they're not too like Violent. It's not like the most violent film ever, but there's violence. It's not the the opposite where it's oh, it's all happy prison people having fun. No, it's it's literally right in the middle where it's like it's probably what prison is like. Actually, honestly, yeah. Um, but it's, there's hope, and there's, I think, hope is what it's about, really, yeah, isn't guess, it? That's yeah. the that's the word that would describe it. I think hope. It's hard to describe because it really is just such an average story or plot mm. but it's just executed so well and directed so well oh everything is just satisfying the outcome of everything that happens yeah one of the most is just that's why it's the number one for me it's just everything that i wanted to happen kind of happened <laughs> just excellent film again another one i could do with rewatching sometime soon i don't need to praise it because again it was nominated for oscars i think forrest gump beat it forrest gump i think it was it was 1994 when this came out when a lot of other famous films came out and overshadowed it so shawshank redemption didn't do well but it became a cult classic i think well my number one on the list is uh the steve jobs movie with michael fassbender oh I, i haven't seen it because i mean i'm gonna obviously i haven't seen it because it came out like right after the bad steve jobs movie and uh, I was just okay. oh, I was like do I watch any Steve Jobs movie like I guess apparently <laughs> Steve Jobs is not a good movie but then in the end it is a good movie when that came out I was confused is this the same movie as the other Steve Jobs movie right but like no that is apparently the Steve Jobs movie to watch I, I've, I, I've not seen the other one and I, it's interesting because I don't even know if this is my favorite film it's just when I wrote this list out it was the first thing I put on paper so I I instinctually want to say that it is and it's a film that is covering the life of Steve Jobs in three time periods there's the launch of the Mac nice. there's the launch of uh, another product in the middle and then there's the launch of like the new Mac in the kind of more modern era in like the 80s or 90s or something but um, it and so there is these three product launches, um, three very distinct acts, and you're seeing Steve Jobs about sort of, I don't know, eight to ten years apart through these three segments. You learn about his relationships, his relationships to Steve Wozniak, his relationship mm-hmm. to the CEO of um, 
uh, Michael Sully, I think his name is. Uh, no, that's that's Monsters Inc. Uh, Sully something, <laughs> Sully something, Sully, um, who's the CEO of Pepsi, who becomes the CEO oh. of Apple briefly. You l- learn about the story of him getting ousted from Apple before his <laughs> return to Apple. Um, he's not a particularly nice man, no. and. Uh, maybe it plays a little too hard into the trope that in order to be a genius, you're supposed to be a asshole. Though Steve Wozniak, who's played by Seth Rogen, does a wonderful job of demonstrating that that's not the case. Yeah, apparently he's and an amazing guy. It's it's really left up to you whether you even like Steve Jobs at the end of the movie. But it, it's this lovely film, kind of like when when Harry Met Sally invites comparison between these three and these three time periods a lot of things play out the same but a little bit different and it's just working out has the character grown have they not grown and all of our characters because the supporting cast is also absolutely fantastic one of my favorite characters in it is steve jobs assistant who uh, whose name unfortunately escapes me but she is the most oh what's her name Kate Winslet, rich ex- plays her? Does, is she oh it might this? be Kate winslet actually yeah it might well be just I, I just wonderful performance. Wonderful performance. Uh, you learn about Steve Jobs' daughter and his relationship to the Ooh. lady who has this daughter and seeing her grow up in the shadow of kind of, not the shadow of her father, but like knowing her father is Steve Jobs. And yeah. it's weird because it's talking about a real person, but that's also, I guess, part of it. And I also know from interviews afterwards that it's very exaggerated yeah. and re- reformed to make it fit the narrative but but i'm a huge a fan really of, of, of uh, biopics i'm a huge fan of those yeah so incredible score as well incredible score i'm this week either steve jobs or when harry met sally i'm going to watch oh they're both great uh watch when harry met sally yeah steve jobs is more accessible but met when harry met sally is just even more classic and like i want i need to finally see that film you know yeah and it's probably more, probably happier. <laughs> uh, I think you'd enjoy it. I think you'd enjoy it a lot when Harry Met Sally. I don't know if, how much you'd enjoy Steve Jobs. I think you'd like it. No, I would like, definitely I think, enjoy Steve Jobs. I know. I'm I, I, when Harry Met Sally, yeah. You don't have to watch all the films that we suggested. That was just us. I mean, we definitely have a bias towards superhero movies. But like our favorite, oh, yeah. favorite films, like we enjoy normal films. <laughs> a range, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, some kind of range. I just, I like when people do things that you can't do in real life in films. Because that was, you know, that's the point sometimes, you know, you want to... Oh, yeah. That's it, really. Um, I mean, every film, Shawshank Redemption, you think, oh, that's realistic. Nobody can do what Andy Dufresne did at the end. That's, and that's what's so cool. It's like, that's like, that's a hero right there. That's pretty cool. I just, I like fiction. We like fiction. And that's why we even, I did this segment. Because that's probably our relationship. We, we enjoy each other because we enjoy talking about fiction. Yeah. Yeah. But also because you're a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. That too. That too. Also, you know, you should take our suggestions because I took your suggestion for Arcane really? and I've had just the best week. And thank you guys for watching. I mean, I'm assuming there isn't anything else you want to say, Toby, right? No, no. It's been a long show. It's been a good one, though. It's, I mean, yeah, slightly above average. But um, I guess now you guys know the range. I hope you enjoyed the first one. If you haven't, go watch it. <laughs> go watch the first episode because, I mean, what's funny is that I always watch podcasts from the second episode. <laughs> I don't know why I, I yeah. do that. Uh, it's really common, but, but we we're going to put these out. I think I think at roughly the same time as like the first and second one going out together. The plan is to w- release the first three episodes at the same time, right now. So hopefully, if you're listening to this, there's two other episodes you listen to. But go back and listen to the first one. It'll give you a really good idea of what it is we're going for with this, and uh, we're looking forward to kind of evolving it going forwards. And the third episode, most probably, will have a guest. Um, yes. 
you can we'll suggest good. don't suggest anybody because by the time this episode comes up we have already recorded the third episode but maybe suggest another one for the future that would be yes we're, we're hoping to have a lot of guests um it's not just us although again the majority of the episodes is this is the calm mind crew oh that's nice i never even Ooh. is that what we're called Ooh, i like that crew. yeah let's take it and what, what are the what are the what, is, what are the people called what are the viewers called uh, we can um the calm minders <laughs> calm minders <laughs> don't know about that <laughs> uh, calm mind cast no you're not part of this you don't get the money <laughs> um they're, they're just calm well, whoever they are they're just calm, they're calm. Hopefully. i'm calm you're calm we're yeah. all calm and i hope you have more calm days in front of you thank you guys for listening thank you toby for being here with me and talking as well anytime thank you bye